Come on in, guys. Welcome back to Talking Llama, everyone. Matt Hamage here with Jared Sundin. And this is the big one, or one of the big ones. Winners at War. Getting into the first episode of Single Seasons. Um, but first, I do have a quick South African Survivor update. Episode 2 aired um, last week, and this is out. Episode 3 will be airing tonight or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. Another really good episode. Um, definitely was less chaotic than the premiere more more so actual standard survivor which isn't how they usually play the game over there but um still very good still not completely sold on the immunity island of it all that little twist it's still a little rough around the edges but you know again it's only episode two they've got a couple months left of it to see where it goes um so i'm still holding out some holding out some hope there um but the cool thing is that so i do the the written recaps on news from the couch, my website, and a number of the contestants have been, you know, like liking and whatnot with the post. One of them, Anesu, one of my favorite players, actually even commented saying that she enjoyed the read. So really cool that they're there. I have noticed that the South African players are much more involved in like this side of things. Um, just I don't know if they just love any little bit of coverage if they don't get as much as the u.s does but it's just really cool to see see them kind of noticing it and nothing's come from it at all it's just a, a little little nice thing to see and see what happens if anything but even if it's just this it's just really cool that players that i like and enjoy watching are actually seeing what i'm doing which is which is always fun well yeah i don't know if anything needs to come from it i think that that's kind of the yeah <laughs> the cool thing in itself yeah it's pretty sweet so I'll take it as a win, even if that even if it stops after two weeks. But no, it's been it's been a really fun season. Um, definitely hopeful that it'll keep up. And I see I see no reason why it won't. The cast is just dynamite, as I mentioned last week. Um, but Jared, did you start on South African season six or not yet? No, I didn't yet. I okay. you know I was so motivated after the last <laughs> time that we did this, and now this is even more when you're telling me that. You even have contestants commenting on your posts. So um, I'm just in this like endless cycle of needing to watch, but not being able to watch. And I'm, I'm just going to keep talking about it until the American season starts. And then I'll watch that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's, let's hop into it. As I mentioned, winners at war season 40. This is the, the big, Basically, this in a sense, the second heroes versus villains. Not that it was built that way, but just with the hype and the excitement, the level of players, so much going into this. Um, I don't know. I obviously I've only been watching live for a few years, but the the excitement level for me, and not and I'm guessing this is gonna be pretty common amongst fans. The, the excitement level for me was just like through the roof leading up to this. Cause if you follow probes in the media media at all, he had shot this idea down several times the, the all winter season. 
and granted, it was a few years ago, so they didn't have the full crop of winners that they ended up being able to pull from. But he said, no, no, it wouldn't work. We don't want to do that. And then they do it, and there's just so much pressure on it to succeed. You know, if this one had failed, who knows where it might have taken the show, but it succeeded. And it, I'd say, at least for me, even though it's number six, so this is, yeah, this is our six-ranked season. I have it at number six, Jared at number seven. Even there, I, I still think it exceeded expectations, especially when you consider that it involved the edge of extinction, um, which we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into. But Jared, what, what were your expectations or what, what were you feeling kind of leading up to the, the premiere of Winners at War? I was hyped just like everyone else. I This was like probably the second season that I had been watching like with the anticipation you know i i came in around 35 and watched through 38 not really knowing what i was doing and then i went back to season one watched all the way back through 38 again by the time season 39 had started and so 39 was like the first one that i was like okay here we go this is new survivor for me and it was horrible and so (laughs) we got to 40 and i'm like all right we're gonna do this again even higher expectations. And um, yeah, I, what I actually ended up doing was waiting to watch the entire season. And I managed to avoid any significant spoilers. Um, I ended up waiting until like the week before the finale. And I I would just watch. Yep. Yep. I would watch two or three a day just to like, keep things moving. And um I'm, I'm glad I did it that way. No regrets. So, um, yeah, just, it allowed me to really get into it, but like also let it breathe a little bit at the same time. Um, but yeah, it could have been real bad if I got spoiled. Yeah. And I, I didn't, didn't even mention that this was of course coming on the heels of Island of the Idols at the 39th season and how much extra pressure there was being the follow-up to that disaster, not just being season 40, 20 years, all winners, $2 million on the line, but also kind of the reset button in a sense to set, to show the fans, hey, this season was terrible for a lot of reasons, or I guess one or two main reasons, um, which derailed what could have been a really fun season. Um, show us you still got it. And, and I think for that alone, like if this had gone poorly, it might have signaled the beginning of the end or it could have, you know, in a worst case scenario, I don't think they would have just straight up canceled it. Um, but now if they had followed up edge of extinction, Island of the idols, a complete dud of an all winners and then COVID. That, <laughs> I don't want to think about it, but yeah, no fun to not speculate. And that, that might have, have, have been it. It could have. And, Honestly, this was really, really close to going badly. Yes. And we're going to talk about that, I'm sure. But yes. Well, um, you know what? Since you now, we'll, we'll, we'll wait on that. We'll wait on that. Okay. That'll be jump, that, we'll jump. We always jump around, but that'll be way too much up and around, I think. Um, right. So right at the beginning, they've got the, the toast on the beach. First thing, they, they bring in the men. Then they bring in the women and like half the women tribe just falls into the ocean, (laughs) just one after the other, after the other. And then of course, Tyson right away. How you doing? You guys hit the ocean yet? 
<laughs> just just perfect just perfect yeah. and then they do and there, there's a few moments like this where they kind of step outside the game a little bit and first one here is probes with the toast to everybody um just to say hey you guys are part of this ridiculous awesome successful 20-year run before we really get into it let's just recognize that and and show like the appreciation and he gives um a little toast here a drink before war is always a good idea did you hear that yep okay i, I, ne- I can never tell if it's gonna work the first time but yeah so he gives he gives that little toast and i think the coolest thing is if you if you look closely and you talk to if you see like what players said afterwards you had people like inspecting the bottom of the glasses looking around because they they are in game mode they didn't think or they thought that even though it's a nice toast to everybody that there still could have been a clue or something. And I mean, so that I mean, just right away, first step onto the beach and they're just ready to go. Yeah. I, I loved how they did it. Um, I personally did not know that it was going to be worth $2 million until he made that announcement live or not live, but you know, um, yep. in that first episode. So that was like the first real shock to me. Um, but I did, <laughs> I do remember, uh, the women getting out of the boat and falling over. But I will say the, the men uh, kind of had the dad bods going and then like the women mostly just looked phenomenal. <laughs> like and I was like, Oh guys, come on. I hadn't considered that angle when you, when I think back to it, I mean, Wendell still, yeah. Wendell was good, but yeah, like like Rob and um Tyson, maybe a little bit. Tyson, he's, yeah, he's usually Tyson pretty good shape bit. though. Uh-huh. Um Nick, uh-huh. Nick had it Ben. Ben's kind of a bigger dude anyway, but yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that. But thinking back to what I can remember without looking it up, yeah, that sounds about right. That's a that's yep. a pretty good, pretty good juxtaposition there. Yep. So uh, you know, it's kind of kind of a draw in that first impression. Now, when they split it up or split the intros or opening up by men and women, do you think there was any chance they were going to do starting tribes by gender? No, that it didn't really occur to me. I I was just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, I think that would have been too much. I yeah. I don't know if they ever considered it, but I think it would have been one one little wrinkle too too many, and because there are a lot of wrinkles in in this season. Um, of course, they bring back Edge of Extinction, which we've gone on about. And Edge, the Edge of Extinction, it's it's weird because it provided some really cool, like human moments, particularly with Ethan. You know, he's, he's yep. got he's got the log, the log challenge, and you know he's he's reflecting back on how, you know, what was it five ten years ago, he wasn't sure how much longer he'd he'd be alive. And then to to make the miraculous, amazing recovery he did to get into shape to play Survivor again. Um, so that was a really cool moment. But I still would have rather they just didn't. I would have rather missed that and have the edge gone. It doesn't make up for it. I thought it played a lot worse on the rewatch for me. If I'm being honest, I think the first time I was so wrapped up in just the hype of it all that it didn't bother me as much. But you know, to sit back and kind of watch with a clearer mind the second time around the edge really got to me the second time. I actually had the opposite experience. Um, 
my my first time watching it i was just like it, because all of the you know classic favorites got voted out pretty early and then um i was just, just kind of down i was like oh man this sucks like there's really there's no one i'm super invested in midway through the season and now they're all just at edge and whatever because it's edge and then the second time through i remembered some of those moments going in like with ethan and um just like i was able to more watch for those angles the second time through rather than just being like kind of disappointed in how the season was going at the moment yeah i think where where the edge played better this time and i guess we just keep leading ourselves back to this place we might as well get into it the anxiety i felt near the end of the season watching it live that someone from the edge was going to win I I never do this. This was the first time I was actively seeking out spoilers on the winner because one I either wanted the re- and I didn't find any. Just I didn't I didn't really know where to look outside of like Reddit. And even if, if I found something, I think I think what I found was pretty close. Like someone from the edge goes to the final and doesn't get shut out or get some votes, I think was what people had said, but that maybe wasn't even a leak. It was just a good assumption. Um, but I wanted the, either the relief that someone from the edge was not going to win, or I wanted to be able to mentally prepare to watch that. Cause if, if I got blindsided by anybody from the edge winning the game, this would go from my number six season I, I don't even know how far down out of the top 20, probably in the fifties, maybe <laughs> just, just a placeholder for the next five years. Yeah. No. But, I, so you were, instead of getting blindsided, you're going to do like Boston Rob and you wanted to get front sided. Yes. As he once said, okay. That, that's what I would have much, much preferred if someone from the edge was going to win. Cause especially when it became apparent that Natalie was going to come back considering she had all of the advantages I mean, yep. see, I wrote it down. She comes back with, uh, where is it? One second. Um, three advantages because that's the most I can have. She would have bought more. Um, she bought an idol for herself and an idol for Tyson. I respect that play just in a broad general sense. Do it for Tyson. Hey, if you don't make it back and he does, maybe. Or vice versa, you know, maybe he'll remember it when you're at, at Final Tribal. Um, he had, he did he did end up voting for, her, but I don't know how much the idol idol swayed him. But I mean, it's it's that line from from Billy Madison. Geez, why don't you just give her the trophy on that yeah. on that on that playback challenge? And she actually almost lost. Um, but it's I mean, and poor Nick, he lasted what twenty some odd, thirty some more days than Natalie. And then the next day, he had zero chance to buy an advantage to get back in. So, of course, he's going to, he's starting at such a big handicap. I mean, Nat- and Natalie was the first one out. It, it would have, yeah. it would have ruined, ruined the season. Yeah. And, you know, they would have tried to spin it as, 
like a way better story with her going out first and then coming back and winning it too, which would have made it all the more unbearable. But uh, yeah, fortunately that didn't go that way. Um, yeah. I mean, it should, I gonna... have, it should have been a 16 0 0 vote. If you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, which again, think... 16 jury votes. That's another problem with the edge, but we don't need to, get back into that whole thing again, but 16 people in the jury is just absurd. Well, I think I texted you um, after Jeff read all the votes and I said, well, she got four too many votes. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You did. I forgot about that, but yes. (laughs) Yes. And that's, that's one of the things that is a big drawback or can be at least to returning player seasons because you're, you're stupid if you don't think the off-island or out-of-the-game relationships will come into play. And that was more apparent probably this season than ever with the perceived poker alliance because Rob, Tyson, and Kim played poker together like on TV once. Um, or if it's Rob and Tyson legitimately being friends outside of the game, Michelle and Adam being friends outside of the game, Wendell and Michelle dating for a little bit, whatever it might be. And then, I mean, Jeremy and Natalie are legitimately very close friends in real life. Natalie and Tyson, I believe, have become close friends. She stayed, she got like, she was out in Utah and got like a concussion, I think. And she stayed at Tyson's house for the first few days while she was recovering. So there are some real tight, legitimate bonds. And even in a game that's supposed to be based on the gameplay, those kind of friendships very reasonably can supersede that. You know, if I was if I was on a season with you or another really good friend, I'd have a very hard time not voting for you. What am I going to do? Not try to give my good friend two million dollars? And and I can see it. I don't like it. Just from a completely or as objective position as I can come from, but I can at least see it but I don't like that that plays into a game like this. It's unavoidable and I'll take it if it means you get to have these kind of epic seasons. Um, and, and, and again, if it had just been Natalie playing a normal game with no edge, I would have been much more okay with her getting votes, but yeah, I'm glad you said you didn't like it because I didn't know where you were going with that. And I was going to say, I don't like that. I, I don't like, yeah, when when non-game factors come into the game, um, it's it just becomes less about what you're actually doing at the time and more about what you've done in the past. And not to say that like while you're playing the game, you shouldn't use those, but it's right. Yeah, it's it just kind of becomes messy. Yeah, it does add a different wrinkle because um, it it adds. You know, if you and I are out there and we're and we're it's known that we're very good friends that's an obstacle for us to navigate or it's for it's for other people to navigate like if i'm already on the jury or you know trying to or if i'm how how do i want to say this if someone wants to try to weasel in and get one of us away from the other it just adds a different component to the social aspect of the game but yeah when you had those those strong pre-existing bonds it's very hard to to ask people to not vote for their like one of their legitimately closest friends 
Yeah, the maybe the weirdest one to me was Wendell and Michelle. Um, it it definitely it. seemed. Yeah, they kicked it. <laughs> um, it seemed like Michelle was not happy about it. Um, and at the same time, like, and this is probably a credit to her social game, but on the island, she was handling it very, very well to the point where, um, you know, she was working with him. Like, there was kind of like a almost a joking back and forth but you know there's there's way more tension than that um but yeah it, it would be i don't know it, it would be interesting to know everything that they were feeling and thinking <laughs> uh underlying that relationship like in season 40 yeah because we obviously just saw the very 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 surface level of it all you know Maybe Wendell was putting just putting on a face because he wanted he didn't want to cloud his judgment in the game or affect him too much. You know, who knows what could have been happening. But there was clearly a disconnect there on on how they <laughs> on how they viewed um the the ending of that relationship, whatever you want to qualify it as, dating, kicking it, whatever it it ended up ended up being. But yeah, that was a really weird dynamic. Weird, but but also very interesting and intriguing to kind of watch play out on on Survivor because you don't even on other returning seasons. I don't. It's hard to get that kind of relationship or past relationship in play there. I mean, obviously you've got Rob and Amber who are who are married. It's a very different other other side of the coin there dynamic. But to get the the ex the exes on the island together, because I know I know other survivors have dated just you know often. I think Michelle's currently dating our guy Dean from Island yes. of Idols. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just it was a, it was a really funny, funny you know storyline to watch play out. Yeah, so uh, I guess as we criticize the out of game relationships coming into play, that was one that turned out to be kind of enjoyable <laughs> to to watch and. Uh, yeah, interesting also in terms of game dynamics, like how, you know, they still ended up working together, even though you would think the relationship would kind of be a net negative for both of them. Yeah, yeah, because that one, I don't know, I don't know how you, unless unless you're both super combative, I don't know how you don't at least act like you're going to work together. Yeah, true, true. And obviously their social games are, are what got them the wins too in the first place. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see someone. I'm trying to think who, who's on the season who has, I don't want to call somebody out, but who has like a bad social game. I don't know. Would, would Ben qualify? Like if yeah, Ben and his, uh, that's ben who I was thinking. And his ex were on, were on the island. Could have been, been a lot more explosive. Yeah. Yeah, he's he might. Well, that's a different topic, but yeah, it's hard to think of of someone who doesn't have a good social game. Who, yeah, who is as a as a winner outside of like a Brian Heideck, and that even might be it. So maybe social, Mike from uh, Worlds Apart. Eventually, yep, yeah, he kind of yeah. blew that up. Um, speaking of of those guys, um, the any players or winners, I guess, that didn't play. I'll go over them. Um, um, I think I got them all. Hatch, Tina, Vesepia, Brian, Jenna, Chris Daughtry, Tom, 
Aris, Earl, Todd, Bob, JT, Natalie, Fabio, Cochran, Mike, Chris Underwood, and Tommy. I think that was all of them. Any of those that you feel strongly that you would have preferred to see, and who do you think who do you think they should have replaced if they were on it? Uh, I love Earl. I I wish Earl would have played. Earl's, um, Earl's got to come back, and if he if he, as long yeah. he wants to, he has to come back. Yeah. Um, as far as who he would replace, it's really hard to say. Um, you'd have to replace a guy, and I might. Uh, I honestly might go Ben. Um, Ben or Adam, but, but probably Ben. See, that's the thing. Cause I don't, cause they try to go with the, with certain types of like archetypes of personalities where I don't, don't think they would have replaced, um, Ben with Earl, like Ben probably would have gotten replaced by, by Mike, if anybody, if you're thinking that route, but if you're just going up who you would want to see, um, yeah, it's so it's so tough. Cause getting to the winners, they're all such great. To one degree or another, they've got some draw to them that makes them fun to watch. Yeah, I well, and kind of unsaid. Um, you could replace Adam with Cochran, but it is. I think everyone would have loved to see Cochran, but we all know except for Cochran. That that's just yeah, yeah. So. That's why that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I I would have loved to see Vesepia. She probably could have taken Danny's spot. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Danny. Not a strong run for Danny in this one. No, that was that was disappointing. I I I thought she could have been someone who kind of stayed under the radar a little bit and could, might be able to sneak through, but wasn't she, really able to keep up with the the new pace. Yeah, I mean, when she ta- she's talking to Ethan and Ben, I don't remember this part. She's talking about oh, talking about the oh yeah, the, the old school alliance, and then and then Ethan go- points at Ben and goes, "No, he's not old school, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of great moments, just kind of Oops. born out of not incompetent gameplay because obviously they won. That's not that, just unaware, lazy. Who knows what it was, but um. Speaking of that, they with, with with getting played or you know having you know, some big slip ups early on, episode one or two, when when Rob is talking to Ben on the beach, and and Ben even admits afterwards that he was just like starstruck. He's like Boston Rob, like that's him in a nutshell, getting me to spill everything I didn't need or wanted to spill, and I'm an idiot for doing it, but he's got me to do it just without even any effort at all. That was such a cool moment to see a winner on a winner, just manipulate him. Like he's getting his kids to go to bed or something like that. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure as a fan and as a producer, we were all happy that it was Boston Rob that made it happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess speaking of, speaking of Boston Rob, let's talk about his game a little bit. He's still, as we mentioned before, he doesn't really know how to evolve his game. And that was on a full display this season, but it did lead to a couple or at least one other great moment where they're, they're trying to talk, talking about the idol and at tribal council, he gets every single player to dump their bags to try to flush the idol. 
And obviously most of these players probably aren't going to hide an idol in their bags. They know better than that. But just the fact that he got them to do it seemingly so easily. I mean, he's still the rap father to some degree. Yeah. I mean, you, you love the character arcs. We've talked about that, but at the same time, you kind of tune in to see Boston Rob do what he did on this season. And um, in terms of gameplay, not necessarily a winning strategy these days, but uh, as entertaining as ever. Oh yeah. I, and still trying to implement the, the buddy system. That one was shocking. That was kind of the, okay. I think, I think it's, it's time for him to go home moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's going to work on redemption Island and probably no other season. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's he's trying to do it with a group of winners. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and not necessarily like a pushover group of winners either. No, like, yeah. So (sighs) he he probably would have needed a, a tribe full of Fabio's to to make that happen. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. There's another one, man. What, what is, what is he up to? Probably just training for the next winter, all winter season. I guess. Yeah. 50 missed out on this one. Um, Let's see anything else here on Boston, Rob. Um, let's talk a little bit about the winner of the game. We haven't let's said his, do that. Haven't said his name yet. The one and only Mr. Tony Vlachos. What a showing. Honestly, it was what an absolute showing from a gameplay standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, just up and down dominated this season. On all yeah. facets, even won some individual immunities. Absolutely incredible. Another reason why if Natalie had won at the end over Tony, I would have lost it. Yeah, but the... just <laughs> cannot believe he pulled off what he did. Yeah, for someone who got voted out first to come back through Edge of Extinction and beat the person who played the greatest game of Survivor ever would Ooh, I, I, almost... was gonna, I was gonna ask about that but, so let's maybe jump in there and we'll come back to yeah uh, more game as a whole um so you you would you would put this at number one yeah i don't know what could really top it i mean it's just for it being an all winter season um like it's gonna get a boost that, that way but like to not receive any votes on an all winter season when everyone knows that you are like this wild card, like borderline crazy person. <laughs> and like, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, when I started watching the season, everyone kind of had their own thoughts on who they think would, would win. Like I remember talking to some people about like, yeah, I think Wendell's kind of sneaky pick. Like, he could fly under the radar, good social game, decent physical player if he needs to be. Um, like someone like Nick, you know, who's not necessarily like super flashy in any aspects. Um, even Michelle, like. And the one thing I definitely did not expect was for Tony to show up and be like this brilliant, like social. Um, like subtle strategic 
player and it was it was like what else is he hiding like if he was to play again what would we see from this guy because (laughs) he's been completely different every time we've seen him play like maybe not super different from Kagayan to game changers but like he he seemed to more be like playing loose and free and then this time he was like okay I'm gonna dial it back and we're gonna make this thing happen however we have to it was an absolute thing of beauty like 100% I think I would agree with you that I'm trying to think because it's an all-winner season, it he, he it has to be the greatest winning game. I was thinking back to maybe maybe Kim, or say Jeremy, maybe Jeremy. Jeremy is up there. I mean, Wendell played a played a phenomenal game. Um, Jeremy probably gets the boost like Tony does because it was a returning player season, but it wasn't an all-winner yeah. season. I would, yeah, so and I was, then you go back to like Tom from Palau, maybe. Um, just like in terms of sheer dominance, but like, yeah, this was Natalie, uh, Natalie it, San, and San Juan del Sur. Um, yeah, super clean. Just, yeah, but yeah, I I think, think this has to be it. I I was thinking about this, um, in the last few weeks, you know, prepping for this and and rewatching South Af- South African Survivor, trying to compare those the international winning seat winning games to this kind of uh, overall power ranking and I, what i've come to and i honestly think this is true i think the three best winning games in all of survivor one comes from us tony one comes from australia and one comes from south africa i won't say which in case you haven't like jared haven't seen them but there are only two seasons of South Africa that I've watched. So compare the two and they'll be very obvious which one I'm talking about. And then there's five of Australia. And if you watch all five, you'll probably know as well. But I, I honestly think those are probably the three, the three best games we've ever seen. And I mean, another reason why season 40 just worked out to absolute perfection, especially from from a production standpoint to have player like Tony evolve like this. I mean, the, the him just restraining himself from going idol hunting right away. I mean, it was like a little kid being told he had to like look at his Christmas presents, but couldn't open them yet. And just that anticipation, just, you can like see them visibly shaking. He wanted to just, just bolt out of there and just go, but he held himself back until he, until he felt safe or was deep enough into the game. And I don't know what he could have done better. Obviously he won, so he didn't have to do anything better, but you know, maybe to, to get any more votes, I don't know what else he could have done. I think it was as close to perfect as you can get given the circumstances. Yeah. If you didn't vote for him, it's just because that's not your preference of game. Or, like- or it's like Jeremy and Tyson were, you never, you didn't play with Tony really, if you're in Tyson's case necessarily, and Natalie's your legitimately very close friend, which we, which we already discussed, but that I think for sure came into play with them. I'm I'm pretty sure Tyson even like addressed that on a podcast where he said, "What like of course I'm gonna vote for my friend to win, to win that game." 
Um, we don't need to get back into that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what else Tony could have done. Aside, no. aside no. from maybe maybe building a better ladder. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a downer if he died. Yeah, well, I'm mean, pretty sure it was Tyson who said, I don't know how this man is still alive. <laughs> yep. Oh, I mean, man. The ladder. Let um, me keep going on the Tony train. The extortion episode. Is this... Phenomenal. Is this the single best episode of Survivor ever? It's close. I'm I'm still gonna give it to the the Eric Immunity Necklace episode, but uh, man, it was it had everything you needed. It was like a real episode of of like drama, but like kind of with a fun twist on it. Yep. So little quick summary. So Tony starts off. He he's going idol hunting. And and Nick finds him, and Tony gets him to look in areas where Tony already looked. Great, great strategy. Um, and he he comes across the the advantage, or the the secret, however you want to describe it. And then he just, I don't know what got him to do this. <laughs> he just comes sprinting out of the jungle, falls, gets back up, cannot keep his composure. He's so excited. He, he reads the advantage, um, the extortion advantage. This is great. This is used against you. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, he was so, he was even excited reading it. He's like, extortion, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, wait, they're doing it to me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's got to get, what was it, eight? Was it eight fire tokens? It was whatever the number before the number you give up at is it was that it was that many <laughs> and and so he's either got to pay the demand in in fire tokens or he cannot compete in the next immunity challenge and he couldn't vote the next travel council now a couple things for me i hate that i hate <laughs> the advantage but i absolutely adore what resulted from it they had to tell them who to play it on right because when you say they you mean you mean like production yeah like there there had to be some influence there because there's no more perfect person to take that on and try and make it happen than tony well also i think they who was it poverty and Oh shoot! Was it Michelle or Parvati Natalie? I know Parvati was involved. They, um, well, they I sent it from Edge, right? So Michelle yeah. wouldn't have been there. Oh, she wasn't there yet. Yeah, maybe not. Parvati and Natalie, maybe. That sounds right. Um, they they might have known that Tony would be the best at scrambling and getting them their tokens, or Tony couldn't compete, couldn't vote, and he might get voted off. They probably, viewed, I mean, yeah. again, we're talking about poverty shallow here. She kind of knows how to play the game a little bit. Yeah, nothing is accidental. No, I, I, I think, I think they, they, they just knew who to play it on. Um, but I, I, I hate that his ability to compete in the immunity challenge and vote was 
on the line like that was was threatened like that. It's not like say a ghost island where you are knowingly taking that risk and giving up your vote to you can you can either do this and risk your vote or keep your vote and just stay safe. But when it's forced on you like that, those are two of the most critical components of of the game. And I guess the I guess the thing I, the thing I don't like most is that it was both. Because because yeah. there there are vote steals things like that, um, that have come into play, and and that's basically the same as as this. But when you take away the two most important tools that every single player has at every point in the game is the chance to compete for immunity and the chance to make your vote and voice heard in the direction of the game. I think it was a. I just wasn't a fan of it that they did that they did that. Excuse me. That they did both of those, but again, I'll, I hate going results based thinking, but I, I'll do it for this one because the results were out of this world. It was it was perfection. Yeah. Top five at minimum greatest episodes. Um, Helped by hit yeah. by Tony winning that immunity challenge. Then yeah, just just full the, circle. The perfect icing on the cake. It was incredible. Great. Yep. Um, and I. I was going to say like when you were saying how much you hated it, that's one of those things where you just like open up your bag, read the note. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'm done playing survivor. <laughs> like eight. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I don't even, I don't even hate that. It was both. It's just like a, it's such a bad spot to put someone in, in such a huge season. And I mean, that's even part of what makes his game that he played so phenomenal is that he had to deal with this kind of stuff. And I mean, couldn't have done it better. Right. And speaking of Tony, he also had one of the great, one of the best, funniest moments in all of Survivor. I've, I've got the clip queued up, I think. Um, oh. Jeremy's a number for me. I know he trusts me. Do you hear that? So right now, yep. my plan is to try to keep Jeremy around. Because if Jeremy goes home, the hyenas are going to come out in a full pack and start attacking us. Strategically, what do you think is going to cops? I had it queued up. We've played this game. I had it queued. Maybe I skipped ahead too far. Oh, I definitely did. Okay. Here we go. I get here. All I got is about a week left, yo. Two. Two? Two what? Two weeks. How is that two weeks? You had... Nine days, bro. Five days of working. Yo, working that's week. not two weeks, man. This isn't a work week. That's why police officers need to go back to school. Why? Because you just said nine days is two weeks. Ten days is two weeks. Fourteen days is two weeks. <laughs> no. I work five days a week. But you're not getting any days off. You're not going home on the weekends yet. No. But you're I'm... still working on the weekends. Not so on... you count those days. Not on the off days, my friend. Listen, you're here yeah. for 39 days. Yeah. You don't go home on the weekend. No, but I'm chilling on the off days. Off day, off day, off day, off day. You're still I'm working. Not... No, you're still I'm working. Not. I'm not. You are. No, I'm on a vacation. What are you doing right now? We're working. I'm on vacation. We're working right no, now. No, it's not working. We're talking about strategy. No, that's so, work. We're talking about a game. It's a that's game. That's work. It's a game. It's work, though. We're playing. It's still work. No, for you it is. <laughs> you work hard, I work smart. I keep telling you that. I mean, what? <sighs> uh, he needs to. He just 
he needs to just write a book and I will listen and do everything in it. Watching that scene live, I I can't even describe how much just pure joy I felt watching that transpire. No, 10 days is two weeks. <laughs> just yep. I mean, he's Tony, man. What else can you say? The guy's guy's an enigma. He's he's one of a kind. He's he's incredible. Ten days is two weeks. Oh man, I'm gonna have to use that one at work. <sighs> yeah, it's two work weeks. But he's just on vacation, I guess, in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> he works smart. Hey, it got got him two million bucks. Can't can't fault him that. All right. Anything else on Tony? No. All right. Let's go to another, the only other two-time winner in Sandra. First, um, goes out by waving just an epic move from Denise. That was one of the the coolest moves I think that we've seen in in the forty seasons. Uh, yeah, I I loved it in a lot of ways, and. At the same time, I wonder if it was the best way to set her up to win the game. And I, I'm not sure if it was. From Denise's standpoint? Yeah. Yeah, I think she could like have gotten was, her out just using one of them. Like, you think she maybe went too big too early? Yep, yep. So I, I, think, I think she wanted to guarantee the that Sandra would go. That's true. Kind, but... kind of like in David versus Goliath, they have the move, which we'll of course get to where they use like three advantages to guarantee their move works when they maybe could have gotten it with one or two, but they wanted the, the, the slam dunk sure thing. And, and so yeah. she probably realized I've got one shot here. If, if I miss, I'm gone next. Might as well. Yeah. And and again, if I mean, if you make it to a final tribal, that's a huge thing to put on your resume that you single-handedly took out Sandra. So, like, yes, in that way, I get it. But also, everyone knows that you have that huge move. Like, it, you're just... Are you putting a target on your back? Or are you building your resume? Yes, <laughs> I think, is the answer. I, I think in a season like this... That might be the way or the, the only time you can maybe get away with it because everyone knows everyone is a threat, even if you're talking about the lions and the hyenas and whatever else. Everyone won the game before. Different strategies, different paths, but everyone knows how to win. Everyone's capable of a big move. Other, other moves have happened and will happen that – Obviously, anything you do that puts your name front and center is a risk because it gives people an immediate excuse to vote you out. Um, but I, I think in a season like this where every move felt, at least from a viewer standpoint for me, like a big move, that you have a little more cover just by the nature of the competition than you maybe would on a regular season. But I do agree that it was definitely a risky play to go for it when she did, but she kind of had to, if she wanted to. Yeah. I mean, and, and plus just for TV, it was, it was also a great move. Um, 
and I'm I'm kind of leaning towards uh, now. Now that you made that argument that everyone is just acknowledged as being a big time player, that I'm yeah I'm seeing a little more why that was a reasonable move to make. At first, I was like, wow, this is a little much. And it could it could have been also if you have a chance to take out Sandra, even if you have to, you know, expand that target on your back, you might just have to do it. Yeah. Twice when she won, they, they had chances. They just never did it. And she, she won twice. And yeah. in, in game changers, they had the chance. They took her out. That could have been in her head too. That, you know, they've seen that, that movie before. The let's just leave Sandra to put, to hang around a little more and a little more and a little more. Oh, she won again. Yeah, true. I mean, shoot your shot. And um, what we what we learned about Denise, I mean, she played a great game her first time, but like this kind of showed us another side, you know, in a way it showed us about her, what we learned about Tony, you know, and that they're capable of playing in a couple of different ways. Yeah, they can they can adapt to what the situation calls for. Not like I hate to rag on him because I love him and he's a legitimately great player, but Boston Rob doesn't really adapt his game to the situation. He does his thing and then he digs his heels in even more because he's back up against the wall. Whereas, you know, Tony or Denise can can adjust. And someone like Boston Rob, that style, if it doesn't work, you can't force it to work. Like someone like Sandra, who just kind of plays that that low key most of the time. I'm just here to to not get voted out, and I'll do whatever. That 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 can work a lot easier in more seasons and with more types of players than something like Rob's can. Um, so she maybe doesn't have to adapt as much as someone like he would. But yeah, with Tony and Denise, seeing that they had that other gear they could shift to. Um, even though Denise's ultimately fell short, it was still cool to see that if she would, if she were to come back, she might be able to show us something new again and, you know, give us another successful run. Yeah. Um, man, there's, there's just so, as we get into this, like, I wasn't even expecting to talk that much about Denise, you know? And like, I think that's a testament to this season, um, where we could probably we could probably dive into every single one of these people and um, come up with something great just yeah. for like 10 minutes. I think what, what I have left and then see where we are or what you might have is just kind of different moments to talk about. Not, and you know, my, my, you know, dip dive into more other gameplay, but more of different things that happen, different episodes. Um, so then I guess we'll finish with Sandra then. She she quits immediately from the love edge, of, edge of extinction. Perfect. I love I love that response. <laughs> I saw people kind of ragging on her for quitting. It's like she she knows herself. She's she might survive, but she knows she's not winning that challenge to get back in. I mean, they call it the Sandra sit out bench for a reason during those challenges. She she knew what was up. She she knew and more power to her, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, yes, I guess technically it would officially go in as a quit, I guess, but not not in the sense of you know a, a Nayaka or or Austin or anyone like yeah. that. It's 
much different scenario. Well, it goes in as a quit, but it's like, who cares? Even if it is. I literally wrote in my notes, Sandra quits Edge of Extinction. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Like, no, she can do whatever she wants. Yep. Absolutely. She can do whatever she wants. Um, Adam and the potential podium idol. Oh, the fantastic moment. So yeah. I want to hear hear your thoughts on this first. Cause I have I have some points, but I want to hear hear where, where you're where you're coming at from. I loved the move, and I I actually thought I, I thought there was better than a fifty percent chance that that was it. Just watching it, like they had me fooled, and yeah, just so I was so glad that he decided just go for it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what you have to do. If you have an inkling, you know, I mean, it's kind of like Eliza and the stick. You know, she even says, I know this is an idol, but why not? And so, and the Adam thing, and his his reasoning made sense. It was a fleur-de-lis symbol on the podium. And where was the symbol? It matched, it matched something else, something back at camp. So like, it wasn't maybe like on, on the water bottle. It, it, it came up somewhere else in in the camp or within a challenge or something like that. So it wasn't just like this. He pointed, pointed out this random symbol. He connected it to another part of the game, which, which tracks in, in idle history. And then the more important one, especially from a player like Adam is that they did something very similar in a South African season. There was an idol on the podium at tribal council. And and even before that, I, I would have guaranteed it one hundred percent that Adam has seen all all those seasons. He knew that that existed, and and at least I know like the South African and Australian seasons will kind of take ideas and tweak them from the U.S. edition of Survivor. And I wouldn't be surprised if if it goes the other way, where they at least look at, oh, that's an interesting twist, or that's an that's a cool idea. How can we tweak that for ourselves? Um, so it, it's not unfounded in the broad world of Survivor. It would have been a first, as Probes noted, in U.S. Survivor. But it, it's not unheard of from a, from a global standpoint. So the, the logic absolutely tracked. And for me, not having seen any of the international stuff, that's one of those moments that like we're, we're 40 seasons in, and yet we are still doing things that I had not thought of. So, I mean, great yep. job as a whole by everyone here. Yep, yep, absolutely. I didn't like how they how the edit played it off, though. It kind of they were kind of toying with Adam. It seemed like you yeah, know, you show people people laughing. You weren't sure if they were just laughing at him or just like this is ridiculous. What else can we do but laugh? Uh, I and bet then, and he then had j- a lot of people nervous. Oh, oh yeah. I feel like the people who were in the game were very nervous and i feel like the people in the jury were a little more lighthearted about it i'm hoping they're laughing with the situation i'd imagine they were i'll just pretend they were uh, but then, then probes kind of toys with him he goes and when adam says ah, i thought it was i thought it was an idol and he goes you're sure it's not and he goes yes i want to i want to play that and he goes you want to play this and he was i feel like he was trying to have fun with him but it came off a little bit too Dickish. much yeah that's I was trying to think of the right word to say, but that actually fits really well. Um, but but again, it ended up being, you know, Adam 
roll right along with it, you know, worth a shot. Like most things in the, in the show are, you know, cause if it hadn't been an, if it had been an idol and he hadn't played it, he would be kicking himself. Yeah. yeah you you got to go for it. Yep. Um, other, another advantage moment, the 50, 50 coin. What do you think? What do you think of that? Because I, no. I've, I've been swayed on this. I, uh, do you mean like, as would I do it or do I like it? Do you like it? I like the option. I like having the option to do it. I think in some situations it might be helpful, but um, for the cost that, Michelle had to pay. I did not like it. It's like you, you pretty much put all your eggs in one basket for a 50, 50 chance. And then like, who knows if you even need it or not. And I guess on survivor, when there's $2 million online, you take everything you can get. But um, to me, it didn't, it's not something that I would seriously consider, you know, trying to gain and play. Okay, that's that's fair. What about just in general as, as as a thing that exists in the game? You know, if it's found like an idol or you or you win it at the auction, if, just as a generic game component. Uh, probably no. I'm probably 40-60 um yes to no. So I would favor the no side of it. Okay. Because I, I definitely was on that side at first. Um, and first of all, Michelle's got to work on her coin flipping skills because that was atrocious. <laughs> um, but on a... And this if you want to listen to this other episode, um, it was the, the RHAP episode 12 feedback show um, from, from Shannon Gus. So she can explain it, obviously, a lot better than I can. But the the general idea for a few points one it encourages people to tell others about having it it encourages collaboration um because it's not a sure thing that no one wants to leave their fate in the game either as the flipper or the coin flipper or as someone who could be affected by it up to a literal coin flip and so it's such an unknown quantity it's harder to plan around because one, so if you, like if you have an idol, you play it or you don't. If you play it, you know what the results are, are from that. If you don't, you know what the results are from that. With the 50-50 coin, like its name implies, you play it or you don't. And if you play it, you still don't know what the results are going to be. You could, you could flip it and you're immune, flip it and you're not immune. And then, you know, where does that person's vote go? So there, there's more uncertainty, or at least there's more implied uncertainty. Um, and with the real idol, like kind of you hold all the cards because you know what's going to happen as the holder of that advantage. You know what you're going to do, and you know the exact result, at least as far as you personally are concerned. And if you look at the other side, if you have like a fake idol, you don't really hold any cards because you have no real power. The 50-50 coin is kind of somewhere in the middle. You hold some power, but it's 
kind of an, again, an unknown quantity. There's much more uncertainty. And again, she explained a lot better because I think she got it from her brother and then she kind of tweaked it. But I'm not completely sold on it. But thinking of it that way did did sway me into leaning more towards towards liking it. And like most things outside of idols, it's not something I'd want to see every single season because players are so smart now. They'd, they'd adapt to it you know, at the snap of a fingers. Um, did that make any sense as I was explaining? I get it in my head. I suppose I haven't said it out loud yeah. before. No, I get what you're saying. Um, I actually just thought of an, another counterpoint um, where I'm, I'm still more on my side now. Mm-hmm. Um, so idle plays are typically meant to be huge plays because they, they make or break you in the game a lot of the time. And like you, you know, if you know you're in trouble, you play an idol and it's like, okay, I saved myself. I'm still in. Um, or you play an idol for someone else. You saved them. You're still in. Um, and those are like resume building moves when, you know, you have to make the call to play something so important. And the reason why I don't really like the 50 50 is because you can earn it. Like you can find it, which is great. You've accumulated advantages and can potentially, potentially help yourself out in the game. You can play it at a time where you know, you're at risk, but you know, you could surprise some people by having it. And, um, you know, that's another like power move on your part, but on the unfortunate part is that in order for it to work, you have to appear lucky. So you can do something that like is, is two steps ahead of everyone else. And in a way people could still view it as luck that it worked out where you stay in the game. I think my counterpoint to that, which is a, a good a good point, you want to be able to show that you owned, that you controlled whatever move you made, is that because of that luck and uncertainty, that's why the coin encourages you to work with people so you're not leaving your fate or their fate up to luck. You know, if someone goes out because they got idled out, that's part of the game. Good on them applause for the move if you go out on a coin on a literal coin flip no no one especially in a season like this wants their game to end like that and so it encourages you to say hey i can use this coin and it's it's up to fate i'd i'm gonna play it i have no control over what's gonna happen if you want to leave your fate up to chance good on you but or we can work together and i don't even have to use this and we can make something else happen yeah, I. It could be that I just need to see it played in a few different scenarios too. Sure. Before I decide if I really like it or really don't like it. Um, so I guess for that reason, I wouldn't be super opposed to it coming back. But yeah, as for now, um, still leaning no. Sure. And speaking of that, we skipped over one massive piece of the season: fire tokens. We've talked, we've touched on them, but not as as a whole 
what do you think about one, I guess, how they worked this season and if you want to see them going forward? The tokens of fire. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm open to seeing them again. I think we will definitely see them again. Um, but I would have liked this to be like more of a closing chapter in the old survivor Mm -hmm. and like i think it would have been a great idea to use them in survivor 41 um if you want to really start a new era and say like yeah we're going to try this out now um i can understand why they wanted to introduce them with the cast that they had because like obviously these people are going to come up with the most creative smart strategic ways to use them um but for me personally and I think, well, we both agree on this, the less complicated, the better, the better, especially when you have this maybe best cast ever assembled that you're working with. Yep. Let the players play the game. Yeah. Yeah. The fire tokens, what I really didn't like about them this time around, this first time, is that it gave so much influence to the edge of extinction. They, they were kind of controlling certain parts of the game without being in the game. And I really didn't like that. And one thing we didn't mention when we talked about the extortion advantage is they could have just priced Tony or whoever they wanted to out of even the possibility of paying it off. If they really wanted to just target someone, say, oh, yeah, Jared, it's going to be 35 tokens. Like something that could be like just literally impossible. I mean, it didn't say anything in the note. It said, I think it said you can charge however many you want. And I don't know if they said there's a cap of this many tokens are even in the game, but it sounded like they could, they could have literally said whatever they wanted. They didn't care about getting the actual tokens. They could have just targeted someone, taken away their chance of immunity, taken away their chance or opportunity to vote when they would have had no recourse. And that's, of course, the extreme, but it gave so much undue influence and unnecessary power to the edge. Um, I am curious to see, because I'm pretty sure Jeff has said they're coming back, but the edge is not coming back. So they they obviously have to change how they function and are using the game. So assuming they come back for 41 or whether it's 42, whenever they come back next with the tokens, I'm very curious to see how they will work without the edge being a part of it. I think it'll be way simpler and way better if, if you're not including the edge. Um, the only way I think that it benefits from, like the only way the season benefits from having fire tokens on the edge is that like, and I don't know if this is what they were going for, but you give people on the edge an opportunity to build a resume you know, by saying like, oh, I targeted this person, I targeted this person. And like, I guess I understand that, but we got to be careful how much we're letting the people who have lost, like influence the game. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I do like them. I mean, if you take the edge out of it, I, I kind of like them as bartering chips and like, who's to say like, yeah, if you vote how I want, I'll give you three fire tokens and you know, we'll both be on the show or we'll both be on, um, or I guess neither one of us will be gone by the next time we vote and we'll see, 
like where we are then. And so, yeah, I could, I could definitely see it working and I could see myself being a fan of them in some ways, but yeah, how they were used on winners at war was not one of those ways. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, I've still got hope, you know, on, on some of these things, it's hard to judge them off the first one, you know, like medallion of power. That's an easy, bad idea. Never again. And, and they've done that, but the fire tokens, since it's more of a game mechanic, um, they can definitely tweak it. Um, and they'll have to, as we mentioned with no, with no edge. Um, so yeah, in, in, interesting thing to keep an eye on in the upcoming seasons. Um, I've got two more things specifically to go over. Um, I'll say the second one, because that one, one might be more of a longer, longer piece. The loved ones visit. Yes. I know, I know you and I touched on this off air last uh-huh. week. We have some, some different opinions. Um, I'm famously, however much you want to extend that term, not a fan of the loved ones visit typically. Um, save for so, some fantastic moments, of course. But I, as much as I, I, I like most of the contestants on each season, I, I don't really care about them saying how much they love their brother because of course they love their brother that's why they're on the loved ones visit um and this episode as awesome as i'm sure it was for the players this is another moment like the like the toast beginning of the season where they kind of stepped outside of the game a little bit and for a season like this i was okay with it um but the loved ones visit basically takes up half the episode and then nothing nothing from a game consequence happened in that first 30 ish minutes. And to me as a viewer, it was a waste of time. I'm sure they, they loved it. It was probably one of, for each of them was except for maybe Tony at winning the game was maybe their best day in the game. Was that, was that, it was that day with, with their family, even the, the players on the edge got a family visit. Um, but from an entertainment standpoint, it was a big zero for me that first half. So again, I'm sure I know it was just because it was winners at war season 40 doing something special, but this was maybe my least favorite episode just because I'm here to watch the game and I don't know. It, it just, they, they could have found with, with this cast, they could have found enough interesting things to, cut that down by five, 10, 15 minutes, or do this as an extended episode. Give us the half hour of the family visit and then give us another hour. You know, make a 90 minute episode, give us another hour of the actual game. But my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I I'm not an expert on how much time they have or yeah. If they can make an extended episode or what um, I'm going to go all in and say, I'd be fine with them making the whole show, the loved ones visit for this episode. Um, not going to be popular in this room, um, <laughs> but all two of us. Yeah. Yep. But, um, seeing there's just certain things that like, I think hit different people differently and like knowing the history of Robin Amber and seeing their four daughters go there. Um, and like, knowing the history of Ethan and, and knowing that like 
he very possibly could could not be alive and he has you know like he's i don't i forget if it was like his girlfriend or his wife or what but just kind of seeing what people have made for themselves um since the first time we saw them which which could have been up to like 15 years ago or or even later i guess and um like tyson we saw him play on blood versus water like with his wife and you know his girlfriend at the time but um and now they have a daughter and it's it's just like so many full circle moments and um to me like i'm not interested in all of the loved ones who are there but like again even even par like we saw her husband on samoa and like it's just cool to see all these people pop up and like people who they've people who the contestants have talked about people who they've brought on before people who we've seen play before like it's to me um i'm totally fine with them taking the extra time to kind of explore all of those relationships and like i'm i'm just me but like let's say that you know someone else at home is like a twin and they think it's super cool that natalie gets to see your twin sister on the island and like i yeah i don't know um i i'll just take the side of i was very in favor of the extended loved ones visit for this season no that's fair you made you made good points i can see that just agree to disagree on this one. Not, <laughs> not something I'm going to spend time arguing about, but yep. just different sides of the, the aisle there. Um, lastly, another kind of not important, um, interesting maybe um, moment is at the final five, when Ben basically gives Sarah permission to vote him out. I know I saw at the time, at least a lot of discourse kind of backing both sides of this, of being okay with it. You know, don't, you know, who cares? It, I can see Ben's reasoning. Others basically saying, oh, well, it essentially amounts to a quit. Why would he do that? I mean, he's close to the end. Do you want to start on that one? Or you want me to? Um, yeah, I'll start because let's not send the listeners home in a bad mood so you can come in and uh and make the save but um i this if the season did not end differently this could have been just a a season ruiner for me um like it's not uh i get so frustrated even thinking about this because like you're there to play the game and you're there to to play the game hard i love people that play the game hard and like the first time that ben was there he just like would not lose he he would search out who knows how many idols three four just to keep himself there Mm -hmm. and like it's it's not so much that you are saying like i'm okay with leaving at this point like it's okay i feel like i have accomplished what i need to accomplish here and 
Like, I don't feel the need to stay. I already won once. Like I can kind of get on board with that. Um, it was everything that, that preceded that. And like, I'm not, I don't think we need to get into like a whole discussion about, um, how it unfolded, but it was just like, it, it almost felt like pressure for someone to do this. Um, cause I know that like Sarah, I, I forget which episode it was, if it was before Ben did this or after, but there was kind of this theme in the season of, you know, like women and men are viewed differently for how they play the game. And like, Sarah was getting a lot of praise from the jury for standing up and saying like, Hey, like a guy can play this way and win, but a girl cannot play that way because people will think she's a bitch. And it's so, it's, it's so frustrating to me that like both Sarah and Sophie won their seasons because they were up at final tribal against dudes that people hated. Like it, it's so ironic to me that this is the point that, that they are making because Culpepper Culpepper was pretty much disliked by everyone there played just like a, he's like a bull in a China shop game and he didn't care who he offended. He was just going to play his game. And I guess if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't for him because everyone hated him. <laughs> and same thing with, you know, coach at the end with, with Sophie, the main knock on him was it's like, coach, you played a decent game. Like you're kind of a dick at times, but you're not owning your moves. Like, so what are we going to do here? Like, it's like, you're just, you either have to, you have to like be proud of your game or like you have to be, you have to play a cleaner game. And it was, it just, it, it was so, yeah, it was, it was frustrating to me that they were both arguing a point that actually benefited them um, on their seasons. And then for Ben to get sucked into it and be like, Hey, you know what? Like you really got to me. And like, I'm really proud of you for speaking up and I want to be a role model. And it's like, okay, well, like, it's not that she just made a move. It's that you are giving her this move, like make, make her earn it. And it's just, it's, uh, I, I, I still, I go back and forth because, um, is it, is it part of the game that she had that effect on him? Like that, you know, maybe he thinks that this is the right thing to do now because Sarah talked me into it, or is it just something that's, that's bigger than that or outside of the game? And that's just not, is not something that I love coming into the game where, you know, people think that they need to, step aside so a certain person can win or, you know, so a certain person can have a chance. And I've, I've spent a lot of time talking and 
this is why I wanted to start. So you can, you can come in and talk me off the ledge. So I'm glad you mentioned the, the gender discussion. Um, I don't know if this is the time or the people to eloquently enough get deeper into that. Cause I think it is a discussion worth having with other minds, but that one, that part of it, I am blaming on the edit and production because afterwards, after the season ended, Sarah's speech, of course, was a talking point. And apparently there, there were discussions being had on the island and on the edge that kind of prompted her to, to want to stand up and say that, where people were kind of saying those things along those lines. Like, not to say we don't want a woman to win, but kind of speaking out in either a like a straight up sexist way or ways that could at least be perceived as being sexist. So from the show edit, what made it to air, it did kind of seem like it came completely out of left field when Sarah had that, that speech at final, at not final tribal at tribal council. But there was, there were moments leading up to that, that kind of pushed her to make that speech. So when you had the full context, that part of it, makes a lot more sense as actually being relevant to this specific game because that was being discussed. We, they just never showed the, the audience. And and I feel like they, they included it because it was a good soundbite because she did speak very well. And, you know, I'm not going to deny that one bit. But it, it felt it felt forced in what we saw on the show because we saw zero of the lead up context to it. So that that's what I'll say on that on that one piece of it at least. Well, I I would hope there was something more to it. So I will uh yeah, I will I will take that and chew on that for a little bit. I think I think if you look up um Sarah's exit interview, I believe it was with Dalton Ross from entertainment weekly. I believe that's where, where I first saw her touch on it, but I'm guessing it came up in, in other interviews as well. If you want to look more into that, um, but speaking on Ben, and this is actually a really interesting kind of part of the game. Um, because one thing they talked about a bunch this season, specifically at one tribal council was how, how much the game affects you as a person. And and Ben, as we saw on his first season, suffered from PTSD to some degree, um, and and he and he came came out back, you know, you know, came back to the island saying that he had trust issues with it, with his wife and with other you know family members and friends, things like that, and that so when he came back to play, yes, he was there to to play and to win and and all of that, but he had other goals in mind for himself as well, besides just winning the game. And what I, what I've heard from some other interviews and and podcasts analysis and whatnot is that sometimes on a returning season, your priorities do shift, especially if you're returning as a winner that you're not, you're not, you're like I said, you're still there to win, but if if you're someone like Ben, you want to prove to yourself that you can be a good person, that you can build relationships, 
and that you don't have to win to, to be a good person or to be a success. And he also knew where the game was going for him. So in a, in a, in a regular season, you might want to get third or fourth versus fifth, just for, just for placement purposes, monetary reasons. But when you've already won a million dollars, you don't necessarily need that extra five, 10,000 on the second time around, especially when you're getting more money for this season, they upped all of the placement finishes. I think everyone got a minimum of 35 grand, 25 for, for, for playing and then 10, a 10,000 appearance fee at the finale. So there was really no monetary benefit to him advancing third or fourth versus the fifth that he finished at. And in terms of I finished third or I finished fifth at, at, for a winner that doesn't, there's really no difference at that point. And he knew that if he went to that final tribal council, that he was going to get eviscerated. And as someone who had struggled with some mental health, he didn't want to subject himself to that. And so from that standpoint, I, I do completely see it and I'm completely okay with it because I can understand his reasoning and how he came to that decision. I don't think he came to that decision lightly. I think it took a lot of thought and discernment um, and you know reasoning and probably a lot of back and forth and whether or not to go through with it. But I, I do agree with, with, your, with your point that it, it then does not become Sarah's move the way he, the way he wanted to. Now they can play it off as it's her move. That's, that's completely a possibility. But when he was, he was basically saying, this will be your move as if it's just going to be accepted. Um, but yes, it was kind of, I'm giving you this move versus Sarah's making this move. But that part, I don't really care about as much in this specific situation. Um, just, I, I, I was really touched, honestly, by by Ben's approach here, um, just from a personal standpoint, because people so often on the show, at least, again, the edit can hide whatever they want and show us whatever they want, but people don't often put themselves first in the sense of, is this good for me in my personal life, my mental health, whatever else might be long-term? And Ben was actively doing that in this spot. And I, I just really was impressed that he had the the wherewithal and the self-awareness and the willingness to, to, to do it. Yeah. And that's like, that's before I even started what I wanted to make sure that I was saying is that like, if you feel like you have done everything you want to do, if you feel like it's your time to go, um, you know, if you've proven to everyone that like you can win in the past, like, again, these, this is all totally fine with me. Um, and like, that's his decision to make. I'm not going to judge him for making a, a personal decision, especially if, if he struggled with that in the past. And it's more that it was so linked to what we had seen at the prior tribal um, with Sarah. And I guess to an extent, like Sophie commenting on, on the jury um, or in the jury as, as it happened, where like it, it didn't seem like this is a Ben moment. Um, it kind of seemed like this is like all because of what Sarah did. And it, I would have maybe had a different interpretation of it if it was more centered on Ben, like 
making that call for himself. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to, <laughs> it's so hard to look at this and come away with like a clear, um, I guess what, what would have been right or what's wrong or, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I think production edited it the way they did so that it would seem like Ben was doing this. This is going to sound bad for a woman. Like that was his, his goal, but, and that's probably why they didn't show anything that led up to that moment, which, you know, that's completely within, within their right to, to show what they want to show. That's what the, that's what survivor is from a production standpoint. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tricky situation because depending on how you look at it, you can, come away with a lot of different opinions on it but i i we, we just view it a little differently is all um which you know that's that's how it happens but no i i i viewed it more as ben's decision and then the sarah thing was maybe like the thing that pushed him over the edge to finally officially go through with it but i feel like he was he was headed that way anyway and then, or maybe this maybe felt like it gave him permission to go through with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think there's no second chance, obviously. You know, we've talked about returning players from this season, legends type, which kind of stinks for someone like a Ben or a Nick, a really recent winner that maybe didn't do anything to be a, quote unquote legend, but now that they're on we're on the all winter season. They're kind of in that stratosphere just by default. Um but as we've said before, we've touched on other other seasons. Anyone from this from this cast that plays again, if they play again, it's gotta be on some sort of legends type season. Not necessarily all winners. Um but you know the the true the the series and the coaches and people like that, that really are survivor icons. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I don't know. If, it'd be tough to make that work though. Like you said, with someone like Nick, where like, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that Nick would need to play on a legend season. Um, I don't think that Wendell would need to play on a legend season. I think that they're both pretty interesting, like modern players that, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't mind seeing play again. I think, I think Natalie could play on a season. That's not a legend season. And um, yeah, I, it'd be great to see them. Uh, it'd be great to see most of them come back, honestly. But um, yeah, I, some, I, I'm kind of split on who would be a legend and who would not be a legend. So that probably doesn't do us much good with me being, <laughs> I'll just put it in a gray area, a nice solid gray area. Yeah, well, I mean, when you get to if they, if they were to do a legend season, it would probably be they're a game changer type in the sense that yes, this this section of the players are true game changers in this case legends, and these are people who agreed to play again because on game changers, yeah. some of them truly would qualify as game changers, and some of them were Haley and Sierra, and then. <laughs> In in uh, legends, you get and a Troy's in. 
he's a different type of legend <laughs> on, on a legends you'd get people who are truly legends of the game and then you'd get someone like i don't know a danielle type who's played a couple times who you know like i don't know they could fill out a 20 person season of true legitimate legends but but someone like a, like a tony or, or rob or sandra tyson probably at this point maybe even kim just yep it would feel so deflating to see them on anything else at least for me but again i'll i'll, I'll eat up that slop any anything any way i can get it so if any if anyone comes back i'm, I'm never going to complain i might voice some concerns but also watch it just as enthusiastically as anything else yeah yeah i'm like you said i'm not going to complain if i see any of these people again um no matter what type of season it's on but obviously the preference would be to kind of separate the hall of famers from you know the the all-stars i guess if you want to put it that way yep that's fair all right i think that's a good thing to close on unless you have any any last points or anything to to touch on no, I'll just say that um, it's very possible I had more emotionally riding on that fire making challenge than Tony did. <laughs> I, I was, I needed him to win that for me, you know? That's fair. I, I, can, yeah. I can get behind that. So I'm glad, glad the season turned out the way it did. Um, whoever won that was going to win. And, um, you know, I would have been totally fine with Sarah winning too. I think she played a good game. Just think that that Tony was kind of a step ahead of her, and he, uh, he was the perfect winner for this season for a multitude yep. of reasons, which we pretty much pretty much touched on all of them. I hope, or most of them at least. All right, um, we are going to be off next week, um, and then we'll be back with our next episode on July second. I believe that Friday is um, getting into the top five, baby of Kagayan, another Mr. Tony season. Um, <laughs> what a wild season that turned out to be. And again, one season at a time. Um, so a few weeks left of the, of the countdown before we get into the last little, little close out here before we get into the, the new, new survivor coverage, hopefully. Um, but again, we're off next week, back July 2nd with number five Kagayan. And my, survivor south africa episode three recap will likely be out they've been out on fridays the first two weeks likely will be out um this sunday the 20th or monday the 21st i'll be out of town this weekend won't be able to watch it till sunday so if you're following that it'll be a couple days later than normal but same same length same same coverage just a couple days later and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Llama Talk Pod on Twitter at Talking Llama Pod on Instagram. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen, we're there. For Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambage. And we'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Crispy.